The I'm Fine podcast is run by Project Headspace and Timing. Project Headspace and Timing is a 501c3 that I started in 2017 after a veteran that I was a medic to decided to pull over on the side of the road and end his life. As an organization, Project Headspace and Timing works on veteran advocacy and veteran outreach. What that means is through the advocacy uh, perspective, we try to connect veterans to other resources as early on into the process as possible. What that entails is early contact with veterans, forming a safety net with their family members, friends, and fellow service members, educating them on the resources, and when that veteran is ready to get help, we are there to make sure that they get the help that they need. The outreach aspect is put there to get veterans together to do productive and constructive things, whether it's out in nature, working with other businesses, anything to get them out around other veterans where those good conversations can happen if they want to have them. If you are interested in finding out more information about our organization, please visit projectheadspaceandtiming.org, our Facebook page, Project Headspace and Timing, or our Instagram, which is Project Headspace and Timing. And if you would like to donate to our organization, uh, please visit our website, projectheadspaceandtiming.org, scroll to the bottom, and you will find a link to our Venmo. If you'd like to send us a check, our P.O. Box is P.O. Box 382, Mantino, Illinois, 60950. And if you'd like to sponsor or have any other questions, feel free to reach out to me at Eric P, P's and Paul, at projectheadspaceandtiming.org. On today's episode of the I'm Fine podcast, we are going to talk about psychedelics. We're going to talk about the history of psychedelics, a little bit about the basics of how they work, some of the different types. Uh, after we talk about all the types, we're going to get into uh, some of the different theories around some psychedelics. And then we're going to talk about the effects of psychedelics on mental health. Welcome to the I'm Fine podcast with your freaked out, insecure, neurotic, and emotional hosts, Eric Peterson and Brad Stozik. For today's episode, we want to make sure that we give proper credit to our sponsor for the episode, which is the Horton Group. Uh, at the Horton Group, people are at the center of everything that they do, and they have been since 1971 which means that they get it. You're not searching for an insurance broker. You're looking for a partner, one who actually does care and promises to always have your back versus just putting a policy in place. The Horton Group has you covered, whether it's business insurance, personal insurance, life insurance, or employee benefits, they have you covered. The Horton Group, leading clients to a higher level of performance. Please check them out at www.thehortongroup.com. Here we are. We did it. I told you that this fucking place existed. It's Nobody real. believed me. Nobody <laughs> believed me that my basement was a real place. And, and here we are. Here we are. And when we were talking about what we wanted to do for our first episode, like our ne- we wanted to get into an episode about psychedelics, but we weren't going to get into it like super hot and heavy because there's so there's so much out there when it comes to psychedelics. We could easily spend an episode on each one of them, yes. I feel like, but we just wanted to kind of dip our toe in. And when we talked about this, Brad and I were like, who better to break in the new studio than with Melanie? Mm-hmm. So I really appreciate you being here. It means a lot. Me. Yep. Um, so what do you guys think about the new studio? <sighs> I love it. You like it? It doesn't feel real. 
Like, is this real? <laughs> uh, my wife says that this is what the inside of my brain looks like when you look around here, which I think is pretty accurate. I and, can see that. And I noticed that you were, you, Melanie, when you got here, you were like taking a look around. Yes. What, soaking it all in. Soaking everything in. <laughs> yes. So in all of its glory, it's just, it was, I get so much into the weeds when it comes to like trying to plan for things. And when it came to like putting this basement together, it took me, I thought that I was going to get it done in like a month. And that was fucking two years ago. That was two fucking years ago. And it's still not all the way done. Back in 2019. Yeah. Like, yeah. I mean, uh, I really thought that I was going to get this done a lot faster than I did. But here we are. Um, I'm really thankful to have you guys here. And, and I hope that, you know, again, when it comes to shooting down here, we're going to have to be a little flexible. So we'll see how everything goes with this episode. And then if we have to make any changes uh or or whatever we can do that but um but yeah so as far as the uh psychedelics are concerned yeah. um i have uh, i got a little bit of experience with psychedelics <laughs> i know brad you have minimal yeah yeah just yeah maybe one <laughs> once and your experience was just with mushrooms correct okay yeah. Yeah. and what can you tell me about your experience with mushrooms? Um, I, I, it was a very like just connecting experience, if you will. I was able to, like, like you've explained to me before, it's like reorganizing your brain. Yeah, and and I, I, I enjoyed it. I, it was a, a, I think it was a pretty good experience for me. Yeah, like the way that I always have described mushrooms to anybody was or is that like when you're sitting in a car for a super long time and your legs get like really, you know, antsy and and you need to get out and stretch and you get out and stretch and then you get back in the car and you're like, okay, I'm good for another few few hours. That's what mushrooms have been for me. That's how I feel like mushrooms work for my mind. Um, and that's why I have appreciated them so much because for me a lot of the things that i've done especially when i was really having issues with like anxiety depression uh you know the different facets of ptsd and stuff i mean i've never really talked about it but in my opinion in my experience mushrooms really helped me out a lot i never had the quintessential trips uh that i'd heard about I mean, I say quintessential, but it's like the the stereotypical, I guess, rather, where it's like, oh, I saw a pink elephant, my fucking <laughs> whatever, whatever. Like, I never had that. I always just had this this greater understanding of myself. Yeah. And what I always told, because other friends of mine, especially in the veteran community, like a lot of veterans have asked me about it, uh, like some of my closer friends, because they know that I have, and they've asked me how I felt and, and how it all went. And I just, I feel like it, it really, again, helped me reorganize my mind in certain situations. And it just gave me, I don't know how else to explain this, but a more of a profound understanding of the world around me in such a beautiful way. Um, so, I mean, I was really happy to be able to, uh, to be able to cover psychedelics for an episode. So, um, like I said, we're, we're just going to briefly 
kind of talk about some of this stuff. Mm -hmm. And then, um, and Melanie's going to enlighten us with a lot of the things that she sees on the professional side. But before we get into it, as far as like the brief history, yeah, right, what did you find? So according to Dr. Ben Sisa, who's a doctor um, and a writer for the Royal College for Psychologists in England, um, the history of psychedelics, of course, started in the ancient non-Western civilizations, right? They used it for healing. And the reason... Um, even in that it's still used today in those societies. So like Hindu religions and um, it started in Greek too. Um, they would use, they would use a tea made of mostly wheat that was affected by a mushroom, which gave them the hallucinogen effects. Um, but in today's use, it's still used in the non-Western um, societies. Um so like during religious practices and what its goal is to have the participant connect on a level with themselves and to basically reject the West, the idea of Western individuals, holy crap, individualization. Right. So it, it gets them connected to like the tribe again and kind of levels them. Well, like everything that I saw when it comes to psychedelics and history is like it has been used as a medicine for a pretty long fucking time. Oh, yeah. And by a lot of different cultures, too. Yep. Right. Yep. But yeah. What else, what else did you find as far as history and stuff? Um, so then I found it was brought to the Western world by a, a man named Dr. Albert Hoffman, mm -hmm. who in, accidentally invented LSD in the 1930s. I read about this guy. Yep. Um, yeah. And then he tested it in the 40s. And in, in the 40s, not only so psychiatrists started using it um, on their patients, but not only did the patients use it, the psychiatrists themselves also took it during their um, during their sessions oh, so they yeah. can connect on like this. So everybody was just tripping on LSD trying to connect on the same wavelengths. Sounds like a missed opportunity. <laughs> I was just going to say, can you fucking imagine if that was your day? Like, you going to work, it's like, I have to do acid like eight times today. <laughs> oh, and um, what you were talking about, about Albert Hoffman, the funniest thing about that thing uh, that you said, he accidentally right. discovered acid. Yep. And, and I looked that up, too. So it said he was creating derivatives of LSD or lysergic acid. I'm saying that right. Uh, a compound found in the ergot fungus that grows in rye. Um, he thought that it'd be useful for circulatory and respiratory stimulants, but accidentally tripped his fucking face off. Like, <laughs> and just to be in the room where he's like in the late 30s, like, oh, I think this is going to help me with my breathing. And then he just starts. Like he leaves this universe. Yep. You know what I mean? Like, holy shit, Albert. Like, what a day. What yep. a fucking day. Right. Yep. But yeah, sorry. sorry. Yeah. I just I, I looked no. at that too. But yeah. Yep. And then and then the sixties rolled around and the government yep. put a kaput to it. Yep. And it they became illegal and what they are known today. Yep. And I did read that they're becoming more like more studied in the world of medicine, like for psychological purposes. Um you know, anxiety, depression, it's being that, studied more. Is that what you're seeing too on your end, Melanie? Oh, yeah. I'd say within the last five years, it's really like there's um, continued education opportunities now in the field to go and start to kind of learn more about the different ones that are being introduced, how it may affect your patients. So, yeah, just within the last few years, it's really starting to gain traction. 
because again, it's like, it's not like we're doing something new with it. Like you just said, like all these different cultures and some of the things that you brought up that I, I saw too, like Mayan and Aztec cultures, they messed around with the psilocybin mushrooms, native American cultures. They have uh, peyote, which actually contains mescaline, which is found in certain cacti. Uh, The Amazonian tribes have ayahuasca, which is a, a, some sort of a drink made with, I believe DMT. Um, So, I mean like all these different cultures, like have been messing around with this shit. Yep. You know what I mean? But yeah. Um, any, what else did you find about history? Anything else? Uh, no, that was pretty much it. Once okay. it came to the, of course, once it came to the Western world, <laughs> we fucked it up. Always <laughs> fucked it all up. Always. Um, now as far as how it works. Yeah. Can you explain as a Marine <laughs> to other Marines? Oh, yellow cramp. How good. it works. <laughs> Me eat sea man in sky. Make brain hurt bad. Something like that. Pretty much. <laughs> oh, me take mushroom. Me see pretty color. <laughs> no, what, what did you what did you find? No, so I I found the main uh reason what it does is there's a receptor in your brain called serotonin A2. Okay. Um, and this is the main receptor for like serotonin. And what mushrooms do is it it blocks that receptor. So basically your perception of reality is okay. you know. So basically it's blocking the serotonin receptors in your brain. As far as your understanding goes, Melanie. <laughs> yes. Well, in addition, it also, they've shown that a lot of them increase plasticity in the brain. And that's a big one. Like the more your brain is flexible, um, the, the better that you're going to be able to function. So they are showing that a lot of these different approaches are increasing that. So that's very cool. Yeah. Um, so other than that, yeah, to just kind of piggyback on some of the things that you were saying, once it got over to the Western world, we kind of fucked it up, I feel like. And then, of course, without fail, federal government gets involved. One of the popular popular uh, cases or, or um, CIA projects that you might know about, MK Ultra, which was a fucking real thing. And again, it's one of those things where it's like you read about it and you're like, there's no way this is true. There's no way this is true. And it's crazy because, you know, when you read about it, you're only reading about the things that are known. And there have to be some other parts of that that aren't known as far as like what actually happened as a whole for the project. But I don't know how much you know about it, Melanie. I've I've listened to some podcasts about it in the past, watched some documentaries about it in the past. Um, as far as some things that I would talk about, um, I know that the program operated from the 50s, excuse me, in the 50s and the early 60s. It was ran by a chemist named Sidney Gottlieb. Uh, and then the whole MK, MK Ultra program uh, was called by an investigative journalist, Stephen Kinzer, as the most sustained search in history of techniques for mind control. So the whole thing with MK Ultra, um, journalist uh, Stephen Kinzinger broke it down into two phases. He said that the first phase was to blast away someone's brain, essentially. The second phase was to replace it with something else, like a different mind. Uh, he said that they did make a lot of progress with step one but not according to him not as much with step two uh and some of the ways that they would do it uh was what was so crazy to me like because what i saw on there was one of the things that he did or one of the things that was done by the cia was they would uh use prostitutes and they would bring them to you know they would get an unsuspecting john 
to go to some, you know, seedy hotel room. And then the prostitute would leave the room and then through the air ducts, it would be blasted, you know, an aerosolized form of, I think it was LSD. I believe it was LSD. And then uh, they would just kind of see what the fuck happened. (laughs) And then there are multiple deaths and other things uh, from scientists and other people that were involved in programs like this that because when it comes to ass and I'll say this too you know I'm ne- I only I tried acid once when I was younger and I didn't really feel much and I didn't like it just because it wasn't natural and it was something it was like acid comes on a little piece of paper and then you don't really know what the fuck you're do it's not like a dosage that you can wrap your mind around it's just like here's a little piece of paper you know and a lot of that stuff just kind of freaked me out and i also when i was a kid i saw the movie slc punk i don't know if i was just thinking that. of that scene in my head <laughs> i i was also thinking i was thinking about slc punk where devin sawa i think that's who it was oh the actor gosh, yeah. took it and then he thought his mom was the devil mm-hmm. because and he had the pocket or he had the LSD like in his pocket and then he ran through like a fucking uh, sprinkler system yes. or something it, like that. And then, yeah. And then it, it, it sank in and, and, and that fucked with my head yeah. because I was just like, oh, God, that sounds terrible. Like, yeah. I didn't want to do anything like that. Um, so my whole my whole thought process with LSD was I just I kind of wanted to stay away from it. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, so MK Ultra, real fucking program, CIA using it. This is um, uh, something that other civilizations are using to find oneness and to make people feel like they're part of the tribe again. Yep. And then the government's like, we're going to see if we can, we can fucking get <laughs> control some people's minds. That's what we're going to do with this shit. Yep. Um, so just fucking it up. But yeah, did you find what you were looking for? I did. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, so some of the effects of psychedelics include um, altered perception of time, Difficulty communicating clearly with others, hallucinations um, such as feeling sensations, hearing sounds um, and seeing images that aren't real. Um, You have heightened awareness or understanding, uh, increased energy, but lack of a (laughs) lack of ability to think rationally, mixed sensory experiences. So, for example, seeing sounds, right? Uh, Nausea, spiritual experiences. Vivid sensory experiences. Um, and yeah, and, and that was the last one. Vivid sensory experiences. So I wanted to talk briefly about the different types. And we kind of already discussed it a little bit already. But yeah. there are a few different. Um, there's a, a lot of different ways that you could classify uh, psychedelics. You could look at them and define them by their chemical structure. You could look at them natural versus synthetic, or you could look at them in regard to how long their effects last. So I'll touch on kind of like the natural versus the synthetic. So as far as all the different uh, psychedelics that there are, you have the natural kind, which are like my the ones that I enjoy the most because they're they're natural. And that's like psilocybin mushrooms um, that, again, were used in ceremonies uh, dating back to the Mayan and Aztec cultures. Uh, mescaline actually comes from cacti, ayahuasca. Um, and then DMT, which is found in certain spe- uh, species, species of plants and is used in making ayahuasca. And then you have 5-MeO-DMT which is like a cousin of DMT from what I read. It like lasts longer or sorry, DMT itself can last longer and be more potent. 
5-MeO-DMT uh, is found in a smaller number of plants than DMT is. And 5-MeO-DMT is also was found in the Colorado River toad or the Sonoran Desert toad. So when people would talk about like licking toads and shit and then tripping their faces off, that's what they were, that's what they were experiencing was 5-MeO-DMT. And then you also have Ibogaine, uh, which is another natural forming one. And then as far as synthetic is concerned, you have MDMA or uh, commonly known as ecstasy. And then you have LSD like we talked about, which is actually a semi-synthetic because, again, it was created from something found in the ergot fungus, which is why it's kind of a semi-synthetic. Um, now, if you're looking at it from a chemical perspective, uh, I found three different things, three different ways you would break it down according to blog retreat uh, guru. Uh, there are tryptamines, which are structurally similar to the brain chemical serotonin, which we've talked about in the past uh, in the past episodes. Tryptamine examples are, again, psilocybin mushrooms, DMT, 5-MeO-DMT, Ibogaine. You have phenylthylamines. Hope I'm saying that one right. Structurally similar to the brain chemicals epinephrine and norepinephrine and that would be most commonly found in mdma and then you have ergolines uh, have a core molecule of ergoline and is derived from ergot again that would be the lsd uh, from a legality perspective psilocybin is legal in brazil jamaica and the netherlands and i believe as of like last year it's legal in like Colorado and Washington, I think. I'm not entirely sure. I know there's a couple of states yeah. that opened up like where it was legal. Colorado is the pioneer for drugs, man. Colorado is <laughs> just opening it up. Yeah. They but, are just but <laughs> um DMT in the form of ayahuasca is legal in Brazil and Peru. Uh, mescaline is legal for members of the Native American church in the form of peyote. And then according to uh, again, the uh, blog retreat guru, uh, the most potent psychedelic per dosage, which they measure per microgram, again, is LSD. Uh, as far as how the duration is concerned for each of these uh, different types of psychedelics, on the short end, vaporized DMT lasts, they say, anywhere from 5 to 20 minutes. Vaporized 5-MeO-DMT lasts from like 15 to 60 Smoking salvia is 5 to 25 minutes. Uh, medium duration stuff, you have mushrooms, psilocybin, like 4 to 6 hours. Ayahuasca, 2 to 6 hours. Longer duration, you have LSD, which could last to up to 14 hours. Mescaline, up to 16 hours. And Ibogaine, up to 36 hours. Tripping for 36 <laughs> fucking hours. That doesn't even sound fun. <laughs> that doesn't even sound like a good time. I... I couldn't even that that sounds exhausting. It sounds like a whole thing like just there's no fucking way like mushrooms for me are the best because it's about for me four hours on the dot four hours you can plan around. You know what I mean? But yeah, 36 yeah. hours for the next three days. Just don't talk to me. Just yeah, <laughs> that's like a weekend Jesus. weekend plan. I could um, do it if I was like, you know, trapped in Disney World or something. Oh, that would be I don't know if that'd be awful or the best thing ever. <laughs> I think that would be the worst place <laughs> for me to do it because all that's going to happen is for fucking Donald Duck or like any any character to come up to me and I would just uh, I don't know no 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 I don't think I could do that like that would be too much. It, it reminds me of the uh, 
like 21 Jump Street. Have you seen that? Yes. Where they first get to the school and they try it and his tongue sticking out. Yeah. And Rob Riggle's <laughs> trying to like put his tongue back in his mouth. Like, oh my God. <laughs> I feel like that would be you with like Mickey. <laughs> oh my God. Yeah, no. Uh, no, thank you. No, thank you. No, thank you. No, thank you. Um, now, there are um, a couple of theories too that I just wanted to touch on that I just think that are influenced by psychedelics, which I always found were really uh, interesting. Uh, one is the Santa theory. So there's a short film um, called Santa is a Psychedelic Mushroom by Matthew Salton. And it's actually backed by some Harvard professors, some anthropologists, mycologists. And the story goes that the indigenous Sami people uh, of Lapland, which is a wintry region to the, of, uh, excuse me, in northern Finland, that is very dense with conifer forests. Uh, these people would wait in their houses on the winter solstice to be visited by shamans and these shamans would perform healing rituals using the hallucinogenic mushroom Amanita muscaria, which is a red and white toadstool fungus that they considered holy. It was so holy that the shamans dressed up like the mushroom for their visits in red and white suits. The shamans would arrive at the front door of the houses to enter. However, because many families were snowed in, the healers would drop the mushrooms down the chimneys. Uh, the shamans would act as conduits between the spirit and human world, bringing gifts of introspection that could solve the family's problems. The shamans would then leave as they came on reindeer-drawn sleds. The idea is to think about Christmas not in terms of a capitalistic holiday, but as a time to think more spiritually about life. Um, now, and uh, Matthew Salton, who did this film, he says that he doesn't, he's not saying this is where they started for this is how Santa came to be for sure. But he looked into it and he just thinks that there could be something there, which I think is super interesting. Like, I love that. I really liked reading about that story to think that for a couple different reasons. One, I love the idea that Christmas should be about more of a spiritual connection and oneness and your family and thinking about that. And I also love it. Because it means that on Christmas, families were tripping their fucking balls off. <laughs> and that is also, that's a great way to spend the holiday, too, yeah. I think. That might not be too bad. I uh, feel like it's another another thing that Western civilization kind of ruined. You know what I mean? Christmas? Like, yeah, they commercialized it and like, oh, let's buy gifts. And when yeah. really, we should be sitting around doing mushrooms. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah, dude. You know what I'm saying? Yep. Yep. Uh, like, why stress out? Well, just... I mean, I do feel like. I mean, especially after COVID. Yeah. While there's still always going to be an emphasis on capitalism, of course. But I see people caring more about the oneness and the families. Yeah. And, and doing things like that. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. I, I genuinely think that people are starting to get back to that a little bit. It's more. about time because yeah. I remember reading a story where someone died over a wee. Like on, on Black Friday. You know what I mean? Like, oh, yeah. People used to beat the shit out of each other for, <laughs> like, for like scooters. Yeah. And fucking DVDs. $5 hand towels. Right? Yep. Ugh. Like, yeah, it's crazy. Yeah. When, when I worked at I worked at Sears, and now I finally get to start feeling like a really old person. <laughs> <laughs> because people are be like, what's Sears? Like, I worked at Sears when I was 16, and it was Black Friday. And this dude, I'll never forget, stole a fucking craftsman toolbox. And he put it under his shirt 
And the reason why that made me mad is because you're telling everybody something when you steal a craftsman toolbox and put it on your shirt. You're telling everybody, I think everybody else is fucking stupid. That's what you're saying. Because you're walking around, you had a big old box, and I was like, well, what the fuck? Like, what are you doing, man? Like, I can clearly see the box there, and you tried to steal. And we also had uh, an a like a 40-some-year-old woman punch out a 70-some-year-old woman in the parking lot over a cart. And you know what they should have done? Mushrooms. Mushrooms. Yes. Mushrooms. Um, <laughs> and then, so the other, the other quick theory uh, before we let Melanie talk about smart stuff is uh, the stoned ape theory. Uh, so the stoned ape theory was, um, uh, it was kind of devised, it was devised by Terrence McKenna, his brother Dennis McKenna. Terrence McKenna is known by many for his work in the realm of psychedelics. He wrote a book, Food of the Gods. Uh, which I do have. I have not yet been able to read it, but it, he really kind of dives into everything about mushrooms. He talks about, you know, the dosages, the heroic dose, the God dose, all these really cool things that, that he found. But the stone ape theory uh, is that theory from both Terrence and his brother, Dennis, uh, to explain how the human brain tripled in size in 2 million years, which is something that scientists aren't really sure about some people think it was the food that we were eating a lot of people say it was you know it was probably an amalgamation of things uh so according to fantasticfungi.com the theory claims that the transition from homo erectus to homo sapiens and the cognitive revolution was caused by the addition of psilocybin mushrooms into the human diet around a hundred thousand years ago uh they weren't saying that apes took mushrooms and boom like they're you know taking pictures of bananas and putting it on Instagram or whatever, but they think that it was a big factor that caused the growth and existence over time uh, for things like cognition and even language, which is super interesting to think about. So um, I, I also appreciated that theory too. Um, so as far as the, ex the effects that psychedelics have on mental health, Melanie, what were the things that you really wanted to talk about that you found? Yeah. So I think it's really interesting right now. Um, the main kind of one that we're seeing being used right now is ketamine. So that one is synthetic, um, treatment resistant depression. Early studies are showing that ketamine is really helping like people who have spent years rotating through different medications, different types of therapies, and their depression is just, you know, hitting that wall, hitting that wall. They're going in and they're doing the ketamine and it's helping. And I think that's huge. Like yeah. that's, that's what we want to see. That's the point of using this stuff for medical purposes. So, um, we're really seeing a lot in regards to PTSD too. They, um, I believe it's Oregon. Oregon might've recently done a study within the last few years where they brought out um, military vets and they were giving them the different forms and then they were coming out. And again, these were individuals who had been resistant to other kinds of treatment. They went in, they did this type of approach and they came out and they saw a reduction in symptoms. And so <clears throat> it's very, again, it's very early on, but I think that it's important that we continue to have this conversation. And something else that I found interesting is that we opted for ketamine first. That was the synthetic one. When we do have the other more natural compounds, like I found it very interesting that that was the one that we uh, have opted for first, especially when you compare it to like the LSD and the MDMA, you read the different um, effects and ketamine has some of the more severe ones. So dizziness, tremors, 
um, disassociative effects, which again, we kind of expect up into a certain point with that type of therapy. Um, and then again, memory loss. So I think that really it's very early on. We have to pay attention to the studies that we're seeing because some of them are showing that maybe this isn't for every mental health disorder early on. I think really signs are pointing more to the anxiety, the depression and the PTSD. Although some of the more recent studies are also showing that it can be helpful in helping people come off of like uh, alcohol addictions. So I think that's really, really cool that we're headed towards that. And then I did want to mention um, there's a Dr. Nudson, who's a neurologist from the university of Copenhagen in Denmark. And she does, psychedelic sessions um with clients that's what she does she uses the lsd and dmt um and i i find it really interesting that she said typically at the end of my sessions people have been through a psychedelic experience in my lab and they say wow this is amazing this was just a fantastic experience and then i ask them well, would you like to come back next week for another session nine times out of ten they say Thank you, but no thank you. And I think that's really interesting. Yeah. Like the experience in of in and of itself is so overwhelming. But then when you read the data that comes after, like two weeks later, the the symptom reduction, they're feeling better. Like it's so interesting that the initial therapy is like eesh, but then we're seeing the transformation after. Are you familiar? Do you ever listen to um Andrew Huberman's podcast or any of his work? I do not. So he's got some good stuff out there. I forget. I, I believe he is a doctor. I'm just not sure what he's a doctor of, but very well spoken. And, and he and he speaks on a lot of different things. He's been on a ton of other podcasts, Rogan and, and, and others, and he has his own. And he recently came out with one about psilocybin specifically. And he talked about how a lot of the benefits that they were seeing weren't necessarily gained in the actual experience but they were noticed immediately following and that's what was so important and it was funny because i listened to that and i was i think i was talking i don't know if i was talking to you no i was talking to another friend of mine another veteran who has been uh, messing around with the idea for um mushrooms for a long time and i told him that for me when it comes to psilocybin at least afterwards I really try to reflect like I sit there and I think more about what I thought, what I felt and everything like that. And to your point, what's so amazing is that you were a, somebody was able to get such a good experience yet. They don't want to do it at least again, soon. you know what I mean? They're just like, I, I got what I needed to get out of that, Mm -hmm. which is scary. I think from any, from the perspective of someone who wants to make money off of it. Yes. Right. Because it's something that puts itself out of business. So when it comes to, um, any time a synthetic, uh, component that has a natural, um, uh, counterpart, you know what I mean? And and the synthetic thing sells more than the natural one. I'm like, Oh yeah, no way. You know what I mean? That's what, that's how I think. And I have zero things to base that on. That's Mm -hmm. just what I think. If there's a way to make money on it, I can see why that's going to get pushed more than the thing that doesn't make as much money. Right. Mm -hmm. But one of the experiences that I wanted to share, and this wasn't from me, this was from a very good friend of mine. Um, he was, I can never remember if it was force recon or marsh, whatever he was, he was special operations in, in, in the Marines. I believe it was force recon. And 
he had an experience. Uh, he went with an organization, I believe it was called the Mission Within, which is a nonprofit in Texas that will take special operation veterans and they will bring them to do trips, like to do some sort of uh, trip, whether it be with, I think they do 5-MeO-DMT, uh, ayahuasca with just DMT, and then psilocybin. And my friend, the Marine, he had some very, very significant PTSD. Okay. So he goes out on this and he has this experience and it was monitored by a doctor the entire time. And what he told me, and mind you, when he told me about his experience, we were in person, we were in Indianapolis having dinner. And he told me that he saw every single one of the guys that he had lost be born grow into the men that he knew he got to have one final conversation with them and then they died again. And as he told me that I get a little choked up even talking about it because as he told me that he showed me, he had goosebumps up and down his arms. He started crying as he was telling me, but not, and we were in a crowded restaurant and not from the perspective of like, he was so ashamed or afraid like that shit changed his fucking life and right, wrong or indifferent when that was the moment where I was just like, I really knew that there was something there and I did not really start experimenting with mushrooms or anything until after that. Mm -hmm. Cause when I saw him have that fucking experience, I don't give a shit what anybody has to say for, for him in that instant. and, And to your point from earlier, I I don't think there's anything that's just a blanket like this. You can always use this drug for this thing. Like there's always going to be, you know, so many different factors that come into play. And I'm not saying that everybody needs to be tripping their fucking balls off, but like for him, it changed his fucking life. He had PTSD. He had all of these issues because he had seen such terrible shit. And to be able to have a conversation with a loved one, one more fucking time. Mm-hmm. And while I never had an experience like that, because like I said, I never messed around with um, DMT, 5-MeO-DMT, any of that stuff, just psilocybin mushrooms. But I really like to be in nature when if, when I am. Um, for me, when I'm on mushrooms, it's not like you look at me and you're like, what the fuck is wrong with Eric? <laughs> like, I just look like me, but I'm smiling usually. Like, I'm just in a pretty good mood. And I love being in nature because it just feels right. It just feels like that's where you're supposed to be. You're just Mm -hmm. appreciating every single blade of grass as the wind blows through and the trees and the flowers and the colors and the sky. And I'll never forget. I, I did it once at um, my family's cabins up in Northern Wisconsin and my grandparents passed away years ago. And I don't know how else to describe this. I did not see them. I did not hear them. But I felt them in such a sincere way, like they were with me, that like it made me emotional. And I get emotional on mushrooms sometimes. Mm -hmm. And I've gotten emotional, which I think is normal from from what I've seen and what I understand. And I know a lot of other people have, too, because, again, you're digging into your fucking brain and you're just pulling everything out. You know what I mean? So do you guys think that this could potentially with more studying, this could potentially be the end of like the 22 veterans a day who commit suicide and the, like it could be beneficial for veterans. 
I think it could definitely contribute to it. And it's interesting that you um, mentioned this earlier, Eric. There's a recent study that came out not too long ago where they talked about people going through um, this treatment. And what was happening is they were going back to their traumatic um, experiences. And with trauma, you have to remember that a lot of what stores those symptoms is the unexpectedness of it. Like the rug is being pulled out from underneath you in most traumatic situations. And so with this therapy, they were seeing people go back, revisit, but this time they had an element of control. So the end result was the same. The traumatic outcome was still happening even when they were revisiting, but they were able to slow it down, talk to the people involved, say that final goodbye. Like there was more of an element of control that was allowing them to come out of it and take that like breath because they were able to revisit it within their confides and having that. So I definitely think that if we continue to look, it could it could contribute to definitely lowering the long-term final symptom of PTSD and depression. I want to continue this. I'm going to switch out SD cards super quick because it's already been like 40 minutes. Did you guys know that Stranger Things is loosely based on MK Ultra? No. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that 100%. Fun fact, never <laughs> seen that show. Get out. Stranger Things? Just get out. Okay. <laughs> it's a fucking, it's such a vibe. It's been, good. I've if been you like 80s vibes. Stuff. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know. It's kind of before my time. <laughs> Not quite 30 yet. So, you know, didn't get to experience the 80s. I loved it. I love that show. Yeah. And I, it's weird because it, it's not like show some other shows to me where it either starts out strong and then tapers off or it really takes a few seasons to find itself. Yeah. Like it was, I feel like it was solid for yeah. the first fucking season. Yeah. Really? And yeah. then the last season. Awesome. Yep. Like I thought the last season was great. Yes. And so the only issue I have with it was the amount of time that passes between seasons. Like as yeah. far as when they release it, I'm like, yeah. dude, that's fucking annoying COVID to me. COVID really hurt them. Yeah, which is true. And now writer's <laughs> strike is hurting them too. Yes, I and saw that. So too. they haven't even started filming the fifth season. And they're supposed to be in high school and all those actors are like early twenties now. They're gonna show them and they're like in their fucking thirties. <laughs> they're gonna do a time jump. <laughs> like, like, <laughs> well, how does it feel starting eighth grade? Oh it's pretty weird. Uh, <laughs> anyway, okay. I got the new SD card and we're recording it. Um so can you bring back up what you had just mentioned and then I'll start and then Jake will cut it, cut that part out. All about wanted... the study. Okay. You just said something super interesting. Yes. So they had had um, a recent study. I think it came out within the last year where they were having people that had a wide variety of traumatic experiences. They were doing these types of therapies and what they were noticing is people were revisiting those traumatic experiences that this time they were able to have an element of control, whereas before the trauma had just happened. So the outcomes were the same. The endings were the same when they were revisiting the trauma. People weren't trying to change the outcome, but they were able to be more in control. So say goodbye to whoever was involved or take a step back and realize, oh, maybe there are these different elements where like. I, I could have changed, you know, how, how I saw things. So I think it's really interesting that the outcome isn't changing. It's yeah. just that sense of control that's allowing people to come out on the other side and take that breath of relief. So I think that's huge. Yeah. And I think that when it comes to something like psychedelics, especially to anyone that's unfamiliar 
you know, just like anything else, just like because because weed is also classified as a psychedelic. Is it not cannabis? I believe so. I believe it can't be. Um, But just like anything else, I mean, there's ways to do it and ways not to do it. Mm -hmm. And as far as like the most safe and and for lack of a better word, professional way to do it, it makes sense to do it with a shaman a guide, whether it be a doctor or or a religious shaman of some kind, because one, that shit's been going on for hundreds, thousands of years. That's how they've been doing it. Like there's been a guide that has been there with the person to help them navigate through it. And like you were saying, Melanie, like maybe give bring that, uh, that bit of control to the situation, which I think is super, super important because again, just looking at my experience, you know, especially when it comes to psilocybin, uh, it's like it feels like a roller coaster. And that's what I told Brad. Like, as you uh, the way that I like to do it is I, I like to make it in a tea uh, because I find that it, it sets in relatively quickly um, and it's very easy on the stomach. The only thing when it comes to like, you know, I know specifically psilocybin mushrooms is you're poisoning yourself. That's the trip. So it's going to fuck your stomach up. You might want to throw up something like that. You make it in a nice tea. It doesn't bother my stomach so much. But the way that I feel is I feel like I'm just slowly, you feel, I feel exactly like I'm going up a roller coaster. Like I have that feeling in my chest where it's like a little bit of, uh, a little bit of anxiety, little bit of fear, not too much, but like you just feel like you're going up, 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 like you can feel yourself reaching the peak. And then I don't find for me, Again, when it comes to mushrooms that I get that super high and then I come all the way down and I'm done. I feel like it more or less kind of oscillates a little bit. Like I will feel a high and then I'll come down and then I'll get a high again, but it won't be as high as that first high. And then I'll come down and then it just kind of goes like that until I'm all the way done. And I will say, again, just strictly my opinion here. the the most beautiful conversations I've ever had with the most important people in my life I've had when I was coming down on mushrooms. The, hmm. I had with my best friend, he and I had both done mushrooms and we were coming down and we sat at the edge of a dock on a lake and we talked for fucking 45 minutes about our lives, where we want to go. Uh, he was just he just started dating this girl and he was telling me about how he thinks he could see them going, like getting married and all this other kind of stuff. And we had like the type of conversation you see in fucking movies between best friends that you should be having with your best friend. Like him and I just talked about everything. And it was like one of the best conversations he and I ever had. And then with my wife, I had one of the the best conversations I've been with my wife for over 15 years. and. Not too long ago, um, we had a day where we had um, the kids were able to stay overnight somewhere. And my wife and I decided to do mushrooms together. And we did. And we laid outside and just stared at the stars. And we talked for like fucking three hours. And all of a sudden, we were talking about things from our early days of our relationship that we totally fucking forgot. That both of us have forgotten because we've been caught up in life. Like if you're with somebody for years, how much shit happened in the very beginning of your relationship that you don't think about anymore? 
because you have a job and kids and responsibilities and shit. And so, like, we just had this amazing fucking conversation, her and I. You know what I mean? And I don't know what that is. I just feel like, like Melanie was saying, like that plasticity of the brain. I just feel like, and again, the only way I know how to describe it is that I just pushed out the walls of my fucking brain. And then as everything was coming back, it just allowed me to see things so much more clearly. You know what I mean? And I just had such a great experience with that. Um, Brad, what was yours like? I've been talking about mine a little bit. Yeah. Um, Mine. I, so at first I kind of didn't know how, what to do. So I tried playing Scrabble, which that didn't nah, work. I mean, what? <laughs> I, I tried. How do you spell before? <laughs> um, it just, it, it, it didn't work. So then I turned music on and just kind of laid down and I could see the music. Um, my TV was kind of waving. How did you feel? How did I feel like during it? Um, so after the Scrabble incident and like once I once <laughs> <The> I Scrabble <laughs> incident, Scrabble incident yeah. of 2022. Yeah. Yeah. Um, no, I was able to I dude, I felt. I don't know, almost like a weight was lifted off of me yeah. and I just felt so at ease and peaceful um, and just. Yeah, dude, I was able, like you said, able to just connect on and even the person I had done it with they weren't really into it. So we, we weren't talking, but internally, like all the, it was like a puzzle was just being completed in my mind and my, if that, if that makes sense, like everything was just coming together. And part of what you said that I also think is important to mention is like, and this is another thing that I've said to anybody that's thought about experimenting, uh, which is if there is any thought in your head, that you're afraid of, if there's something about yourself that you don't like, and you've been trying to hide from a secret that you try to keep from yourself. Cause everybody I think has something. Those are the things that could make a trip go bad in my opinion. You know what I mean? Because when you are on that roller coaster, you can't really control much. Like yeah. you're going with it at that point. And so the reason why I feel like it gives so much benefit to people is if, especially if they have a guide and that guide is there to coach them and let them know, Hey, this is okay. This is what it is. This is how it feels. You have to keep going with it is because you have to confront your fears. You have to confront your pain. You can, whatever that is, you confront it and let it know that you're not afraid of it. Essentially. That's what you're doing when you're confronting your fears. Right. And in doing so, you get through that bad portion because I've had, I've only had like one, what I would call bad trip, but it was a bad trip for fucking stupid reasons. Like one. Okay. I, like I said, I like to be outside. We weren't outside. We were in um like a closed off, like a small room. Um, and I don't like that. We did go outside eventually. And when we went outside, it was really cold and windy and like dark outside. It was like, like not dark as in night with pretty stars, but dark as in like end of days, abysmal. Think of the end of fucking suicide squad or not suicide squad. Uh, I think it was the end of justice league where, um, they were showing like the new group, mm-hmm. you, you know what I'm talking about? And it was like this weird gray wash yeah. sky. That's what the world looked like. And I was outside and cold. I'm like, I don't like this. And we were staying in Airbnb. We get back to the Airbnb. Here's something I didn't fucking know was that 
outside of the Airbnb, there's this hill and it slants upwards and there's lights on the other side of the hill. There were some buckets where people from nearby buildings would bring their food scraps and deer would come down and they would eat from those buckets. I didn't fucking know about those buckets. And I came back and I was, I was pretty, I was up there and it was dark. All I could see was the hill and the sun or the lights on the other side. And I stepped on like a branch and I saw like 10 deer heads fucking the shadows pop up and look at me. And I looked over and I was with a good friend of mine. I was like, I can't do this. No, I can't fucking, I don't know what the fuck that is, but I cannot do this. I cannot talk to 10 deer. I can't fucking fight 10 deer. I don't know what the fuck is happening, why they're looking at me, why they're all here right now. Like, are they here to watch me? And so then I went back inside and the person that I was with was not on mushrooms, which is fine, but they were talking about, they started getting into into um some conspiracy theories and stuff which when you're on mushrooms (laughs) is not some shit that you want to hear right so like i that was my bad trip and it wasn't it didn't result in me jumping out of a window i do understand that that's happened to some people with certain drugs and that's terrible but for me it was just bringing up a lot of self-conscious and vulnerable feelings up that I didn't want to deal with. That's what it was really like for me. And that was like my bad trip. You and know? you discover you have an irrational fear of deer now. Yeah. <laughs> Tell me that if you were stone cold sober in the dark and you just saw 10 fucking deer heads pop up and then like the silhouettes of them, that wouldn't like freak you out a little bit. You're I would like, be what scared. the fuck dude? Like, Oh my God. I'd be a little bit terrifying. Scared. Yeah. But, um, but yeah, so I mean, they mushrooms have, uh, like I said, I they've been beneficial for me for the most part and the people that I know. And what sucks about it is that the veterans that I know that have experimented uh, and used them do not feel comfortable yep. discussing it, which I get. Yep. I totally get. But it's just, it's a problem with society yeah. because of its understanding and acceptance. Because again, Force Recon Marine. Okay, did shit nobody should have to do, saw shit nobody should have to see. And for the that it could do that for him, that it could give him that peace of mind. Yep. If you hate psychedelics and you're against psychedelics and you support the troops or whatever, you can't there's no how do you look at a situation like that and say, I still think psychedelics are, are terrible. He should have been on meds at the VA. No, he was on meds at the VA for a super no. fucking long time. And it made shit worse. Yep. And it got him to the point where he was thinking about ending it. Yeah. Until he had that experience. And he never, to Melanie's point, he's never done it again. He did it that one time. That was fucking it. it and it didn't, it's not like it just fixed everything. Like he still does the the rational things that a person would do in dealing with some sort of trauma. He still, you know, sees the therapist and other stuff. But it it gave him a leg up that he did not have yeah. up until that point. And he exacerbated all his fucking options. Yeah. You know what I mean? So I just, I definitely, I mean, it's so hard to hear stories like that. And that's not, it's far from the only story. There are multiple organizations out there that deal specifically with like the special operations community and hallucinogenics and psychedelics and stuff. And those are the, those are the guys that fucking need it the most. Absolutely. And if they're the ones that are sitting there finding these things and trying these things and getting benefits from these things. Like, again, 
at what point are we going to look at it and just understand that we don't have to say that everybody needs to be doing X, Y, and Z, but just understand that we don't need to be as judgmental for somebody that likes to, to experiment with something like that for their mental health. Yeah. That's my opinion. Yeah. Anyway. I think it's the fear of uh, like the older generation too. Yeah. Like, like the last episode we talked about, like the reefer madness stuff, there was so much drilled in your head. I don't know if you guys remember uh, Dare with yeah. Tammy. Like yep. they just drill it in your head. Like, oh, drugs are bad. Like, yeah. And now we're starting to figure out the positive effects of it. And people who are still on that drugs are bad train can't see that. And they're like, nope, bad, terrible. Like your face is going to melt off or whatever. Well, I also think it comes to from just the natural human ability to defy authority. Yeah. You tell anybody, like we all have kids here. You tell your kid not to do something. You can almost guarantee they're going to do the thing you told them not to do. Yep. So the D.A.R.E. program, we're getting a bunch of kids together and tell them not to do drugs. <laughs> yeah. And again, I talk about like how my opinion on weed being a gateway drug. Yeah. We say don't do drugs. Drugs are all bad. The easiest accessible drug is weed usually. And so somebody tries weed. They realize it's not bad. And then all of a sudden they lost all respect for you and your authority. Yep. And you looped all the drugs together. So guess fucking what? Since weed's fine, they're probably going to try the rest of them mm -hmm. because they don't trust you anymore. Yeah. Whereas if we could have a very honest conversation about how different all these drugs are and how different all the things that they cause are, then maybe we would get somewhere, really. Because I don't like I don't want my kids to think that weed and heroin are in the same fucking category. And I understand that they're divvied up by schedules, but what fourth grade or fifth grade or whatever you were when you were in Dara, what do you understand about schedules? You don't understand right. shit about schedules. You're yeah. like, listen, they're all drugs. They fall under one title and that's drugs. And yep. so they're all drugs to me. I'm not gonna be like, that's a schedule three drug. I don't know what the fuck the schedules are, but like, that was my frustration with it. So it's like, again, I always feel like the military they, they spearhead so many things when it comes to trauma medicine, when it comes to mental health. Yep. And we're seeing in other states the ways that they're starting to talk about psychedelics. Mm -hmm. Like some areas are starting to, and, and I'm not saying come around necessarily, but they're starting to just understand that it needs to be looked at a little bit more. Yeah. There need to be some more studies done. Yep. We need to fucking figure it out a little bit, you know? Yeah. Well, the, the best part for me after was the after feeling after I came down from the mushrooms. Yes. That was the best. And it was like, I was on cloud nine for like two weeks. Right. Super happy. For like super, two weeks. Yeah. Dude, yeah. It was, I mean, it was, it was good. Well, and I think I told you the, the difference for me between like mushrooms and weed and alcohol and anything like that is the day after doing mushrooms, I'm not groggy. No, I'm not tired. I'm not, I'm not feeling guilty. Because like I drank too much or whatever, like I feel like you said, I feel awake. I feel energized. I feel very like I just got out of the car and stretched and got back in. I'm like, man, I'm fucking, I'm doing okay right now. Yeah. And I, that's why I've never messed around with the microdosing. And Melanie, I don't know how much you know about mm -hmm. the microdosing, but I mean, I've also heard a lot of positive things yes. about microdosing. Do you know much about that by chance? Not too much. I do know, again, it's kind of early onset, but I do see, again, positive results of people being able to do it in those very small amounts throughout the day. And it's able to really help with that symptom severity. So I think that we just need to keep opening the door to these conversations instead of slamming it shut. And like yes. you mentioned earlier, alcohol, 
alcohol is legal, but there's restrictions, there's limitations. We understand how alcohol makes people behave and act. Like, could you imagine switching out alcohol in bars with like hallucinogens? Like, instead of people fighting and arguing, like everyone's inner child would be hugging. Like, like the sixties and seventies. Yes. 70s. yes. Like, right. Yeah. Man, it it's it's surreal. But again, I think we're moving in a positive direction. I do know two states. I think Oregon's one of them, and another state have legalized or recreational. And then six other states, I want to say, have decriminalized. So it may not sound like a lot, but it's a move in the right direction. And that's how marijuana started. And yep. look at where we are now with that. Right. So five, 10 years, hopefully we've progressed and we understand more about the positives for this. I just hope it doesn't doesn't become like government controlled. You know what I mean? And they just use it for money and a profit and, mm-hmm. and things like that. I, I hope it, if we get to the point where it is used, that it, it, it genuinely helps people. And I think because if we could, I don't know, fight the mental health crisis in this country with mm-hmm. mushrooms or, you know, something like that, that's, that's incredible. As long as it doesn't become something for a profit. Mm-hmm. I think inevitably it's going to get fucked up a little bit well, yeah. into something for a fucking profit. Yeah. But, and I, I just like Melanie said, I just want the conversations yeah. to be open, to be had. That's all I want. Because I'm again, not saying that mushrooms would fix the fucking world. I don't know, but I think that it's a part of it. Yeah. I think that everything is a part of it. And if we're having the problems that we're saying that we're having, if we're having the amount of veterans kill themselves every damn day, as we think we have, then why wouldn't we open the door for any possibility as long as it was not creating harm, doing harm to anybody? Yeah. Why would we not at least open the door regardless of the type of therapy, you know, whatever it is, we've talked about different types, EMDR and all these other new types of therapy that have been coming out. Great. Bring them all. Because yep. we don't know what the fuck we're doing. Yep. You know what I mean? I mean, obviously, we're having a problem with that. And when you look at, again, all of the what you mentioned earlier, Brad, um, about the, the tribes, like before coming back to the tribe, yeah. they would have a psychedelic experience to allow them to come back. It's just kind of like I feel like when it comes to some of the problems that we're having, some of these answers have fucking been there. Yeah. You know, and I get it. It's not cool and sexy and whatever and shiny but it's like these they were doing this and it seemed like it was working for them yeah like we don't need to add anything to it we don't need to glorify it we don't need to do anything crazy we just need to understand that if it worked for groups of people forever ago like maybe it's something that requires a fucking conversation yeah because it's like they're still using it to this day right so i mean yeah something's working yeah 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 but if we're all walking around licking frogs we know we've gone too far (laughs) i don't know man you ever lick a frog (laughs) crazy experience sounds like a thursday afternoon for me it's like an episode of the simpsons or something (laughs) now when i leave here today like i'm just gonna find a frog everyone's just got their like like, i wonder if this is the colorado fucking whatever frog let's find out just start licking frogs. Mm, I'll let you lick my toad if I can lick yours. That was an episode of The Simpsons. Oh, was it really? Yeah, Homer. <laughs> Simpsons did everything. Simpsons yeah, have done everything. All. But there was an episode where he was tripping because he was fucking licking a frog. And I never knew where that came from until I studied for this episode. Yeah. I didn't know why that. Because the frog, so the frog when it's nervous, and I didn't say this earlier, but I read that when the frog is nervous, it secretes that, it secretes whatever it is that is then taken off the frog dried yeah. Yeah. and that's and that's what they use 
as the the whatever they call it the uh, type of psychedelic that they use not the yeah the 5meo dmt um and so they were trying to figure out ways to create it synthetically because it does happen when a frog is nervous and so they didn't want to sit there and just be like bah! Bring out frogs <laughs> just so you can get fucking high shit. You know what I mean? Hey, frog. And then just lick it. You know I what just, I mean? <laughs> I think of like freaking out a frog. Have you seen the the Hulk? I think it came out in like 2003 with uh, Eric Banya. Hell yeah. I love it. Where they microwave the frog? No, I, you don't, don't, I haven't seen it. No. Oh, they like microwave a frog and it like explodes. And that's just what I thought of. I like, still love Eric Banner. Yeah. But, yeah. Um, but yeah. So other than that, did anybody else have anything they wanted to say? about what we found so far about psychedelics. And I'll say this to like, I want to do future episodes. Oh yeah. Diving into some of these a little bit more. Absolutely. Um, I do have, again, like I said, I want to see if my friend uh, is comfortable sharing his story. I'm not sure he does work in an industry again, but that kind of stuff's fucking frowned upon. Mm -hmm. So I understand if he doesn't want to, but I, I want to, you know, kind of dive into this further, but I just wanted an episode for us to kind of just start talking about it yeah. in another episode where just it's us three talking again, because it's been a while and we're in the new fucking studio. So, uh, but did you guys have anything else? Stay open-minded, I think is the ultimate message. Stay open-minded. We are very early on in this conversation. So let's all walk together in hopes that this will have positive outcomes. I agree. Yeah. Brad. I got nothing here. Yeah, just like anything else. It's just like you said, Melanie, you put it best. You just have to be fucking open minded and yep. just understand that we might not understand a lot about this world. So, um, but before we end, the only other thing that I wanted to touch on uh, as we close, since Melanie is here, is uh, some of the positive things that we have been doing over Project Headspace and Timing. I just wanted to mention it real quick. So uh, we started up our we started up two programs. One is Troops on Trails, where we've been getting veterans together to do archery, hiking, mountain biking, and kayaking. Um, we've been doing it for a little while, but we finally put a name to it. Got a trailer, uh, got it wrapped. Your guys' faces are on it. I don't know if you saw that. Um, and then we have started another program called Veiled Valor, which is an all female veteran outreach group. Um, we've only done one. One event so far with Veiled Valor, but I feel like it went pretty well. Yes, it was so much fun. <laughs> and what I love the most about it, and this just goes back to showing you just how little I fucking know, is when we were coming up with Veiled Valor, we wanted to come up with an organ, uh, like a, a facet of Project Headspace and Timing of Fat, where like female veterans would have a safe place, where they just knew they'd get together with other female veterans, because the female veterans that I had spoken with, and you step in at any point if I'm wrong, but it's just like... It's a very much, it's very much a different experience. Yes. It seems like than the male veteran mm -hmm. experience. And because of that, sometimes you have female veterans who don't like to talk about it, that they're a female veteran because they unfortunately experienced military sexual trauma yes. or some other type of trauma, PTSD, combat experience, whatever it is, but they just, they don't feel the same way. And so we wanted to create a program where just female veterans could be around other female veterans and just do whatever the fuck they want to do. Just enjoy themselves, figure out what the barriers to being able to do that stuff are, and then get rid of them uh, however we can so that female veterans can get together. And the first thing that I suggested was I was like, well, like, maybe we can do like a yoga retreat. And because I was thinking in my head, you know, like, we'll get uh, an organization to 
provide childcare. And then that way, if that's the issue, because that was the issue for some of the female veterans I had spoken with, mm-hmm. um, we would have that taken care of and then we can go do yoga. And I met with like five or six like female veterans about it. And they were just like, could we just like, could we go to like a fucking rage room or something? And I was like, no, yeah, I guess, you know, fuck me. Like, what am I, what, what do I know? Yes. And so we did not want to braid one another's hair. We wanted to uh, alleviate stress in angry ways. <laughs> I get it. And like, I'm not saying obviously that there's anything wrong with doing yoga and meditating and braiding hair and doing all those. Yeah. there's points there. There's a time and a place for that. But what I didn't understand was y'all just wanted to burn some shit down. <laughs> and I was like, okay. So the first thing got to give a huge shout out to splitting targets yes. in Kankakee splitting targets and their owners, uh, they're veteran owned. Uh, the owners there also own, um, stack nutrition and IFIX. And, uh, one of my friends who is uh, owner of both, uh, his name's uh, Derek. And Derek messaged me and he, he told me that it was going to be like, he was going to discount it, which he didn't need to do. Mm-hmm. And I appreciated that he even did that. Yeah. So he took the price down because I told him that I wanted to do an, an initiative. Uh, I wanted to bring some female veterans out for our first failed Valor event. And then he just totally refunded all of it back. And they sponsored the entire event, which was such a cool, beautiful yes. thing for them to do, um, which and I'm not surprised by. Us. Yeah, they literally came and hung out and were showing us all these like cool, fancy ways to throw the axes, yep. like gave us personal. It was just so cool. Like they didn't need to do that, but they they were pretty awesome. And again, when it comes to like veterans understanding that they have community support and people always have those yellow ribbons that say support your veterans. That is what support looks like. And I'm not saying just that you have to discount things or let veterans do shit for free. I'm not saying that, but it's to do whatever it is in your control to make a veteran feel like they belong here. That's what I think supporting a veteran is. And so for them to fucking do that, I was like, man, it was just, they were so amazing for doing that. And I'm not surprised at all because it's the type of fucking people they are. But um, so we did uh, the first Veiled Valor event. I thought that went really well. And then we did a mountain bike troops on trails event where we went mountain biking. And um, I almost fucking died like a bunch (laughs) i really thought that i would be way better at mountain biking than i was i was consistently like the whole crew would get to the rally point and i was like 20 minutes behind (laughs) hey guys hey okay i'm here like oh it's bad it was super bad do you think they make tandem mountain bikes Mm -hmm. tandem mountain bike we could find out we could make the first one yeah do some mushrooms I would pay money to see you and Brad ride a tandem bike through the forest on mushrooms. (laughs) Challenge accepted. Like Eric, what says you? I'll say this. I've gone on a canoe trip with my wife before. Okay. Yeah. And we did this canoe trip with a couple, with several other couples. And my wife and I were the only couple that didn't like almost fucking kill each other on the canoe trip. And that I think was honestly because we were a little high. We didn't drink at all. This is interesting. It should almost, I'm going to call it a case study. (laughs) So canoe one, which was canoe, my wife and I, we literally, we just smoked weed. That was it. Canoes two and three were drinking. And like, if you know my wife and I at all, like we're not really, we don't really care about drinking. Like we will maybe, but it's not really a big thing for us. Um, But we enjoy smoking a little weed. So we were high. The other two uh, couples were drinking. Uh, Both of them flipped their canoes at one point out of anger. Like one person was angry. The other flipped the canoe. Uh, A phone got lost. 
At one point, one of the partners got out of the canoe, swam to the shore, walked back, was just fucking done. Meanwhile, my wife and I are like ahead of everybody, just like laying back, just enjoying the fucking day. Uh, But like that canoe trips, I feel like if you're going to get married, you should have to go on a canoe trip first. (laughs) Because I feel like that's a good test. Like it's a, it's like a saw movie, like light. It's like a light version of a saw movie <laughs> where nobody dies at the end. We're like, no, nobody's probably gonna die or get their foot caught off, cut off, or yep. like whatever. So what I'm saying is, for the mountain bike thing, maybe it could work. Yeah, it'd be a little high though, maybe, but it could work, or right? probably not. I don't know. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I was really excited with how Troops on Trails went. I was really excited with Veiled Valors. We had a lot of events coming up, uh, including Brad. Who's going to be starting out on the fucking Appalachian Trail, right? Appalachian, yes. When's that going to be? Uh, July 9th through the 16th we'll be out there. And what's the goal? How many miles? Uh, yeah. We'll so, figure it out this time. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, yeah. I was a little ambitious and I was like, 250. <laughs> but then we quickly found out that that's probably not doable. Well, we asked a lot of people yeah. that like have legitimately hiked the Appalachian Trail. We yeah. Have some, I have some buddies that have. and. They were just when we were talking to them, they were just like, you're fucking out of your mind. Yeah, you know, no way yeah. you're going to do that many miles a day. So we're just going to kind of figure it out. Well, my thing was like, oh, Marine, me, walk a lot. Yeah, cool. Yeah. So I was like 20 miles a day. Let's do it. Yeah. <laughs> Everybody's like, ha ha, try like five. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, all right. <laughs> well, I told my buddy, he uh, hitchhiked across one of my best friends, hitchhiked across the country yeah. when he was in his early 20s. And he said the first day he was so gung ho, he went like 20 miles. And then he was in so much pain for yeah. like the next four days that he instantly regretted that. But yeah. I'm really, I'm looking forward to it. I think it's going to be a cool thing, man. Yeah. I think it's awesome that this is something that you want to do. So right now I'm just working on a gear list. Yep. I'm just trying to, I need to figure out where I'm going to get my stuff. I got to get a good pair of hiking boots. And other than that, man, I think we got a pretty solid plan. So if anybody is interested in following that journey, please reach out to us. Let us know if you have any tips for Brad. Yeah. Um, we're going to be out there. I'm only going to be out there for a few of the days, but we're going to have a good team out there around Brad, just making sure that he is good to go and that he's safe. Um, and then we look forward to seeing where that goes, seeing what you can, you can take down this first trip and then planning the rest out from there. Yeah. I am considering, I I think I'm going to do this. I'm going to buy a GoPro. And have That's like go live or make a video at the end after I finish all of it in the next couple of years and mesh it all together and Brad's blind journey through the Appalachian Trail or something yeah. crazy. Yeah, dude. <laughs> well, I also think we might be able to bring some of our cameras too. Yeah, I think so. Well, we're, we're possibly discussing recording because that will be around our year mark of yeah, the podcast. Be, so maybe doing a podcast from the Appalachian Mountains. Yep. No recording. Yep. That would be pretty badass. That'd be sweet. Okay. Looking forward to it. Heck yeah. Okay. Well, you guys, thank you again for just being here for this first episode in the new studio. I hope it sounds okay. I hope it looks okay. Again, if you're listening, if you're watching and it doesn't, we will be making, you know, little uh, changes as necessary. But please make sure you continue to listen and watch and share. We really appreciate all the support we've gotten with this podcast as it's been going on. Make sure you're checking out Melanie's Mental Health Mondays, where she's sharing brief clips on little things that can help you in ways that you don't even understand. And until next time, you know, be well and we'll be here.